Hello, Convention of State podcast listeners. Normally, we reserve this channel for audio versions of our live broadcast, COS Live and the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. But as a bonus, we like to occasionally release some historic legacy audio for your enjoyment. Hosted in Colonial Williamsburg in September 2016, this event featured commissioners from all 50 states to perform a test run of an Article 5 convention, the largest experiment of its kind. The simulation proved that this process really will work just as the constitutional framers knew it would. Over a period of two days, the commissioners ultimately debated eight proposals and passed six of them. This is part 12 of the general session of the COS simulation. Thank you, the motion is to adopt proposal three. I have a second from Delaware. Discussion to the motion to adopt proposal three. Uh, Call the question. <laughs> Call the question. <laughs> I can almost not see him over those flags right there. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Commissioner from Connecticut is recognized. Discussion to the motion. Thank you very much, Mr. President. Uh, there was some uh, lengthy discussion in our committee about this uh, particular proposal, and uh, I am certainly sympathetic to uh, uh, those who are concerned about uh, Congress uh, giving more and more authority uh, outside of uh, their jurisdiction uh, and uh, passing it on to the executive branch and administrative agencies to create regulations, and sometimes those uh, are things that uh, they can uh, distance themselves from, but yet uh, still have an effect. And uh, further still, sometimes the executive will uh, take the original intent of legislation and turn it into something else via regulation. So those are certainly concerns that I share. Uh, I, however, don't agree that this is the proper way to address it. Uh, I think that uh, a more appropriate way would simply to be like some states do and require uh, that a legislative vote takes place uh, to approve every reg regulation. Uh, my greater concern and the reason why I'm standing is not so much about uh, that debate, but rather about the wording of this particular uh, amendment proposal and my concern that it can be used by a small minority uh, to gum up the works or create leverage uh, to uh, obtain any kind of uh, you know, uh, congressional action. Uh, my concern is where it says, upon the transmittal of opposition, uh, which would be coming from a mere 25 percent um, uh, of the members, uh, you have an immediate vacation of a rule. So you can have a majority pass a law which requires a regulation to be adopted, and that regulation could be adopted in good faith to the law, but yet the minority still, if they could come up with 25%, could stop that immediately uh, and require a vote to occur. Um, I just think it could be used in ways that uh, are uh, way beyond what's been conceived in the discussion in the committee, and I would uh, advise caution moving forward. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Commissioner. Let me go to the Commissioner from Ohio. Move to amend. Motion is to amend. That's in order. To delete um, upon the transmittal of opposition if Congress. And then the entire and then the entirety after that. So from upon transmittal to the balance of the, the article, is that correct? So the, the last four lines? That is correct. 
So the motion is to delete the last four lines well, on my printed version. So uh, upon transmittal, there we go. The motion. Motion is made and seconded. Discussion to the motion to amend. If you're standing, it is to discuss the motion to amend. Gentleman from Minnesota is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Chair. This was extremely uh, well debated within the committee with a very vocal minority. And we accessed the uh, support staff in order to draft it most appropriately. And after several iterations, the current language before the amendment was what was decided by the body and with uh, consultation from staff as the appropriate way to address this. And I would be hesitant to open that can again. Thank you. To the motion to amend, Commissioner from Arizona. Thank you, uh, Mr. President. Uh, I, I rise in opposition amendment to this proposal. I too served on this committee. We discussed this uh, continuously for quite some time and it was a majority of our committee that believed that the original language was the best to go forward and I specifically would not like to remove the 180 day provision. Uh, and with that, I encourage people to oppose the most recent amendment. Thank you, Commissioner. Sorry. Commissioner from West Virginia. Thank you, Mr. President. I would rise also in opposition to this particular amendment to the proposal. Uh, the uh, Commissioner from Arizona touched on, on uh, the reason why. I, I'm not sure that she fully detailed that out, but essentially with this amendment on here, what would happen is uh, it says that Congress, you know, the Senate and, and the House of Representatives would have to uh, vote to adopt or affirm that regulation, but without a time limit, they could just essentially stall the clock and let it run forever. Uh, it could die in committee, et cetera, et cetera. So by putting something in there, it causes uh, Congress to, to be forced to act or the regulation dies. So I, I think this negates that purpose and should be uh, rejected because Thank of you, that. Commissioner, Commissioner from Colorado. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, I, I also am, am in opposition to this amendment. And uh, the way I would characterize it is this amendment puts the authority in the hands of the leadership of Congress rather than the members of Congress. Because, in fact, they could simply forestall the vote or in some other way prevent it with the original language that this amendment, of course, uh, takes away, uh, as I'm reading this, uh, the regulation can't, must be voted on by Congress. Hence, the regulation, if ever questioned by a sufficient number of members of Congress, must pass that test to, be, uh, to, be, uh, uh, to become law. And, and that is what I see the sense and the reason for Proposal 3. I urge the rejection of the amendment, the adoption of the proposal as originally written. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner from Florida. Thank you, Mr. President. I, too, think this amendment is very ill-advised. One, one of the most uh, obstructive afflictions present in the Congress today is their postponement of action. A former member even told me, he said, you can't get a, a, a resolution approving Mother's Day passed up there in less than six months. And I think that to, to delete 
these words from this very good proposal number three is a, a gross mistake. We need to hold their feet to the fire and to the point of the, the sponsor, um, no, excuse me, yeah, the sponsor of the amendment. No, never mind, I'll just hush. <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner. <laughs> um, Commissioner from Mississippi, what? my apologies. I should have come back to you on the amendment. Did you wish to speak to the amendment? Yes, I also rise in opposition to the amendment because it deletes the strength of the original uh, proposal and what we have, what we would have without that second language is that Congress could sit on a proposed regulation for untold amount of time that an agency is proposing and business and industry in this country needs some stability. They do not need to be hanging in the balance wondering if Congress is going to act or not act indefinitely on a regulation. Uh, they have to spend money and they have to make uh, decisions and we think 180 days is a timely way for uh, a business and industry in this country to know what's going to happen to them. So I do rise in opposition to this amendment and I urge uh, proposal of the original. Thank you, Commissioner. Let me come to the Commissioner from Arkansas. Motion is to call the question. Do I hear a second? Second from Georgia. Uh, let me take a vote on whether or not to call the question. Chairs of your delegations to call the question. Oh. to whether or not, or what happened actually with the line item veto. And so that was a proposal that they were debating heavily on the floor, lots of different amendments, and the line item veto was killed. That amendment was killed on the floor um, of the Convention of State Simulation. So I just wanted to come on real quick and let everybody know. I know that we've been getting a ton of feedback on social media. Thank you for those of you that are watching us. I know that there are thousands of different watch parties going on throughout the country right now and it's a very exciting thing and i'll tell you what this is terrific to watch but the line item veto proposal was killed on a roll call vote thank you for joining me we'll be back in a little while i would like to make an amendment the first part is i remove the word if and it says congress shall vote within 180 days and then I would remove such regulations would be vacated because my complaint was with the same a lot of other people we don't want Congress um, sitting on something so place and simple Congress shall vote within 180 days if they fail to such regulations would be in placed in effect Okay, I'm sorry if you, I, I'm not following the, the motion. Okay. Did you get that, Mr. Secretary? Congress shall vote within 180 days. If Congress fails, such regulation will be placed in effect. Uh -uh. No. Or enacted. So is it. That's a poison pill. Shall be in yeah, or place in effect, but no. shall be enacted. No. The word um, vacate would be um, removed. So this would be forcing Congress to vote up or down within 180 days. Like the gentlewoman over there stated, business needs to know what's going to go on. And you've got 180 days to must vote and it takes the power out of the, the House Speaker 
and the majority leader of the Senate to decide if they're going to take it out of drawer or not. Otherwise, the other way is two people can decide whether it's even going to come up for a vote in um, a six-month period. So Congress shall vote within 180 days if Congress feels such regulation shall be placed in effect. Okay, that's your, the motion is as it shows on the screen? Yes. Okay, so the motion is as it shows on the screen. Congress shall vote within 180 days if Congress fails, such regulation shall be placed in effect. Is there a second to that motion? Second from Connecticut. So the motion to amend has been made and seconded. Discussion to the motion to amend. If you are standing, it is to speak to the motion to amend. Uh, let me come back to the underlying maker of the motion for comment first. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is an unfriendly amendment, and I believe that it um, negates the intent um, of the amendment of the proposal. Um, we already have provision in there that if Congress fails to act, that the amendment is vacated. So if they fail to act, they're in essence acting already. So we think this is not necessary and it is harmful to the final passage of this amendment. So I do not suggest we adopt. Move to call the question. Uh, that's not in order. Um, I will, let's see, gentleman from Florida. The, the motion's not in order after speaking. Gentleman from Florida is recognized. Call the question. Call the question. I hear a second. Second from Michigan. All in favor of calling the question, chairs please say aye. Aye. Opposed, nay. Uh, we will now place the question on the motion to amend. We've cut off debate. I'm going to take this by a voice vote. Uh, I'm sorry? This is to call the question on the motion to amend. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me go back to the sponsor of the motion to amend. The sponsor of the amendment, New Hampshire, would you like to speak briefly to the Yes, sir. Because what happens is 25% of the people go <clears throat> and say, I have a problem with this regulation. Then the regulation can't put, be placed in effect until the whole co Congress acts on it. So if Congress doesn't act on it within 180 days, 25% of the people have taken the power away from the president. Instead, the majority vote of the House passed it, the president or the, excuse me, the president puts in a, um, a motion, I mean a, a regulation, 25, I know I'm repeating myself, 25% of the people complain, the regulation is not put in effect, and then if Congress shall, doesn't act within 180 days, those 25 people have basically vacated um, the president or Congress's um, intent to put a regulation in. Thank you, Commissioner. We'll now place the motion. This is the motion, the, the vote on the motion to amend. All in favor of the motion to amend, please say aye. Aye. Opposed to the motion to amend, nay. Nay. I'll rule the motion fails. We are back to the underlying. Call the question. <laughs> Excuse me, I haven't recognized anyone. We're back to the underlying. <laughs> proposal of Commissioner from Arkansas, or I'm sorry, from Alaska. 
Thank you, Mr. President. I know people are wanting to get out and stuff, but this, you know, sometimes when we go too fast, we forget people are watching. So I just want to be concerned about that. But I keep hearing about this 25% and we're so concerned, you know, that 25% is going to have control. We have five or 10 people sometimes, maybe not that much in the EPA that's making decisions. And I'm telling you right now, they'd love to shut Alaska down. So 25% actually is more people than what we have going for regulations. But we need a check and balance. And we don't need to reward Congress for doing nothing. They already do nothing. And Mr. President, I'm not going to make an amendment because I think 180 days is too long, but because I know we are short on time. I'm not going to do that. But you know, I just want to bring it back because I know everybody has worked hard, but what Congress is allowing to happen as they pass bills and allow regulations to be written on bills that were passed years and years and years ago that are shutting, literally shutting our states down. To me, this is one of the most important things, especially for us in Alaska, because we own less than 1% of the land in Alaska. Let me say it again, less than 1%. Well, the action continues on the floor. We have Professor Randy Barnett with us from Georgetown. He's a constitutional law professor. For a constitutional law professor, this has got to be like best vacation of your life or something I mean it has been amazing <laughs> yeah it has been amazing and I've got I've taken away a lot from this for one thing I, I have a high regard for the uh, skill set of state legislators yeah. who know how to comport themselves in a debate um, the way they address each other the way they chair things um, they're professional legislators and they know how to do this and well, they're, I think that's good. they're statesmen yeah. I think that is the the word that we need to use to describe them because there hasn't been uh, well, it's just, it's been done in a very professional manner. Right. Well, professional is what I mean to stress, that there is a profession of lawmaking. Right. And they are showing the skill. I was a former trial lawyer. I, I pride myself on my ability to question witnesses. It's a skill set. And they have a different skill set, the skill set of being able to address each other with decorum and run a meeting with decorum. And I, I admire that. And, and how about even just the analysis of even the language uh, of what they're dealing with? What, what, what has struck you with regard to how deliberative they're being and how detailed they're being and making sure they get it right? Well, look, I mean, three of the provisions that were approved are provisions that I proposed back in 2009 in the Bill of Federalism that I published in Forbes.com. But they've been rewritten since then. And they've been rewritten by the committees and they've been rewritten on the floor. And I have to say, they were improved. I mean, so, you know, I did the best job I could in getting yeah. this idea across, but the finished product that was produced by both the committees and the floor debate was better than what I did. That's interesting, because can you remember Mike Ferris said the same thing oh, about yeah. some of the language that yeah. he had written? It's that iron sharpening iron, that deliberative body coming together and making it even better than you might have done on Look, your that, own. There were people that spotted problems in it that I hadn't seen. Yeah. And in response to that, I agreed that the changes. I agreed with the changes that they decided to make to my own language. Yeah. And so I, I, I do admire that. And I, I know that in one of the committees that I was advising, um, I had actually strongly advocated a particular provision uh, of one of the pieces that passed, and one of the delegates, one of the commissioners, objected to it. And I'll be darned if I wasn't persuaded by her objection. No I, kidding. I, yeah, I just withdrew my, my suggestion. Well, and I think that speaks to the caliber of people that are in this room. And we've yeah. been asked on social media over and over again, who are these people and why are they here? And we've answered that over and over again. But we've got representatives, we've got commissioners from all 50 states. The majority of them are elected officials, so they run their own committees back in their own states. Right. And so these are statesmen. These are people that get it. And they understand that the Article 5 process is the way that we fight back against the federal government 
government, the only way that we can do that. And that is ultimately why we're here. But, Professor, I've got to ask you, it's got to be surreal to see some of the things you wrote that long ago in, in 2009 now being debated. It, it, it is surreal. It is surreal. I'll have, I'll be ha I'm happy to say that the three of mine that got considered were approved. Uh. And then there were a couple that weren't approved. Those <laughs> you're were, bet, those, you're betting a thousand, those, man. Those were not mine. But I actually think, and I, and I think uh, Mark may have made this point earlier, the very fact that this body disapproved, tabled one and right. disapproved another, shows that it was a deliberative body who took this exercise sim seriously. It's a simulation, yeah. but nobody on the floor is really acting like it's a simulation. Right. They're taking this very seriously. And again, those were items they were philosophically aligned with, Yes, but they knew the language was not yet ready. They were not yet ready or it was going to create untoward opposition yeah. to the entire project. Um, considering the views of people outside this room, it was... It's a deliberative body acting in a deliberative way. Yeah. Well, it was funny. When they were talking about the repeal of the 16th Amendment, basically, and that amendment, which did, in fact, pass just a little while ago, after they passed it, I was all excited, and then I had to remember, oh, this is a simulation. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it was really bumming me out. But that goes to the power of Article 5 and what we can, in fact, accomplish. So and true. if you want to save this country, you want to restore liberty and our, the, our beloved republic, this is the way to do it, Professor. And yeah, not only that, but look, what, let's suppose, suppose you have a convention and it produces amendments like this. Now the country is going to be debating something. That's right. We're not, we're not going to be just debating um, uh, personality. And uh, who's lying and who's not? Who's lying about this and right. who's not lying about this? And the state of this person's health or that person's health? We're actually going to be de debating the constitution and structure of our form of government in the effort of trying to restore our American republic. Yeah, I've thought for a long time, even if even if nothing actually got, you know, rec adopted and then sent to the states and actually ratified, the education for the American people of this being on the news every night. You know, but, but coming back, the last question on the constitutionality itself. Are we following the Constitution right now? Absolutely. I mean, and for those of the people uh, out there who think that there's some kind of sacrilege in uh, having an amendments convention, um, you have to ask those people, did the founders make a mistake by giving us Article 5 power to have a convention? Were the founders wrong when they gave us an Article 5 convention power? And so maybe they're against the founders, actually. Right. I don't think they were wrong. I think they got it right, and it's time for us to and get it right. We can thank George Mason, and we can thank George Mason for that because yeah. he's the guy that got it in there. As you, as you can hear by the excitement going on behind us, there's a lot going on. So we're going to go back to the floor. Thank you for joining us. We will be back right Thanks, after Professor. this. Matter of business. Thank you, Mr. President. <clears throat> Members, this is uh, uh, referring back to my previous statement earlier. I would like for us to adopt as an official statement of this convention the following. The convention submits these proposals to the American people. These proposals meaning the proposals that we've adopted today. Uh, we submit these proposals to the American people with the conviction that they are a sound beginning to a critically needed national discussion about restoring the balance of power between the federal government and the states. Further. It is the conviction of this body that the states must deliberate and adopt appropriate proposals for a balanced budget amendment and an amendment to provide the states a means to serve as a check on judicial overreach by the federal judiciary of these United States. I move the adoption of this statement, Mr. President. Motion is to adopt. We have a motion to adopt the language as a statement from the Convention seconded by everybody. <laughs>
We'll go with New Mexico then. Seconded by New Mexico. Any discussion to the proposal? Seeing none. All in favor, please say aye. Any opposed? No. Yes. No. Ohio votes no. Ohio votes no. Sorry you didn't recognize me. I wanted to uh, offer a friendly amendment that included term limits in the resolution. I know the movement, perhaps that's not his favorite topic, but I think term limits was left out. Congressional uh, term limits. I'm, yeah, we, we, we passed that. We, we, we passed that. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Misunderstood. Okay. So I'll rule that that passes. And uh, Kansas, we have a motion from, yes, Kansas. Oh, excuse me, before we go to that, let me, I'll come to you in just a second. Um, I want to just tell you, it uh, has been a distinct honor to sit up here. This is incredible to see what's happening from this vantage point. The, uh, the energy, the, the conscientiousness in something that is a mere simulation that you brought to this project. It's been a distinct honor to be here to see, I wish you could see what I saw from here, to see your work and to see what you've done. I, I'm thrilled and honored that you're here and you put the attention that you've done. George Washington made this statement that he said in his farewell address, this was one of the four critical governing documents that used to be studied in schools. If in the opinion of the people, the distribution or modification of the constitutional powers be in any particular wrong, let it be changed by an amendment in the way the Constitution designates. But let there be no change by usurpation. For though in one instance this may be the instrument of good, it is the customary weapon by which free governments are destroyed. That's the process that we're engaged in. We talked about the tires and the balance of the tires at the beginning of this and the air in the tires. We had, a, we had a, uh, an owner's manual for the amount of pressure that goes in those tires. And, and like a gas, like air in a tire, a, a, a gas will expand to fill the space that's given to it. And government like that expands to the limit that it's checked. Left unchecked, government expands limitlessly. That's what we're seeing. That's what we've been discussing. You've, you've indulged me with my car wash rule. My father owned car washes as I was growing up. I started working in car washes from the time that I was eight years old in Arizona, washing and drying and folding towels from eight years old. And uh, my father then became a pilot. And as a pilot, we would fly from Utah to Arizona. He had businesses in both places. And every time we flew, every single time, I can't remember a single time that we flew that he did not say, your engine just went out. Where are you going to land? And we would scout around. I mean, even flying over the Grand Canyon, your engine went out. Where are you going to land? You've got this much glide distance. And he said, you know, pilots walk away from most crashes. 
as long as they fly the plane until it stops. Pilots perish when they panic. Fly the plane until it stops. Keep your hand on the wheel until it stops. And pilots survive. Constitutionally, just like that bicycle is a vehicle, as an airplane, there's some mayday out there. You're here because your people in your states know that there's some mayday signals on many areas that we've discussed, many we didn't have time given the constraints that we have to discuss. Pilots perish when they panic, but thank you for keeping your hands on the wheel. Thank you for flying this plane. Hopefully it never stops. I submit it never will. But we have that instrument in Article 5 to deal with this. I'm so honored to serve with you. I'm so honored to have had this privilege to see this in action. Thank you for your good work. Thank you for what you take back. And now it's time for us to be leaders among leaders, to take this back, take this spirit that we felt, what you've, many of you have discussed as, I, I asked the question to some of you, what went well in your committees? And it was fun to see the eyes light up and say, we started out, we didn't know where we were going, what we were doing, and then almost like magic, the process brought things together. And that is the beauty of self-governance. That's the beauty of here beginning to exercise again our self-governance muscles, and that's what our system is all about. So thank you, I applaud you, thank you for the work that you've done, and uh, again, I'm honored to this. I will now go to Kansas for uh, one final motion. are going to have a motion here. I just want us to take a final moment as a body and recognize the tireless effort that has gone in from so many people seen and unseen to make this happen. I would like us to please thank our host, the Citizens for Self-Governance, the Convention of States Project. Let's please give them a hand. This is indeed a Herculean effort that is writing the history of this moment. We're in a historic place and we see good people that have stepped up that are writing the history of what we're doing. Thank you so very, very much. I want to go to one final motion from uh, the commissioner from Kansas. I have never seen a motion to reconsider and get a standing ovation before. <laughs> so that's the wrong page, sorry. Mr. Speaker, I'd like to uh, uh, ask for a point of personal privilege for the president of the, uh, of, uh, the Citizens for Self-Governance, self Mark Meckler, to make some comments to the body. That is in order. There are some people that it is extraordinarily important that I recognize that 
that made this possible. And I would ask that you hold your applause, but I am going to specifically recognize some people. And first and foremost in this process, in bringing this body together, I have to recognize Michael Ferris. Mike. I don't, I literally don't know anybody else who, who would have attempted something so large. This is the man, if you don't know it, who made sure that he engaged in the fight that made homeschooling legal in America. And as if that weren't enough, right? As if that weren't enough, he then went and founded Patrick Henry College, a great Christian institution, educating Christian warriors who go out and fight the fight across this country. And then at a time when most people would have retired and rested on their laurels, Mike Ferris decided that we needed to reform our entire system of governance through the Convention of States. Really extraordinary. Thank you, Michael. You know, so he conceived this idea years ago, brought it to our organization. It's been an incredible privilege to work with him. But what's most important is the team that came together around the idea. Mike couldn't have done this himself. I certainly couldn't have done it myself. And I have been privileged to work for the last three years and certainly leading into this event with the most extraordinary group of people I've ever worked with. And there's something especially extraordinary about them that I want you to know because it's a little odd. And it's something that you would notice, you might notice when I tell it to you, but you wouldn't notice otherwise. And that is that our organization begins from a very simple phrase. And that phrase is something that's quite unusual in our body politic today. And the phrase is two words, and those words are, be nice. It's odd in politics today, but when we founded our organization, we recognized that politics had become mean. It was always so mean-spirited, and people were vicious, and people were rude to each other, and it was combative and attacking. And we didn't believe that you had to do politics that way. We believe that you could engage in spirited debate without being mean. We believe that you didn't have to put the knife in behind people's backs to get things done. We believe you could look them in the eyes and have spirited debate and discussion and even dissent, but always be nice to the people around you, always be kind to the people around you. So we have assembled a staff nationally that is extraordinary. 28 full-time staffers now, literally hundreds of state-level volunteers, thousands of field volunteers in the state. And the mantra remains in our organization, we don't even have to say it anymore, it's be nice. So there is a staff here that has done everything in their power to make your experience wonderful. And, and one of the leaders of that staff that I have to point out is Rita Dunaway. The structure and the substance of what you see here today, the way this convention operated so smoothly, there is really a single person who was responsible for that, and that is Rita Dunaway. I spend my time flying around the country, going to grassroots meetings, doing media, pretty much going wherever I'm told to go and be wherever I'm told to be. And there's somebody that makes sure that the trains run on time when I'm doing that, that the things that need to be done in our organization get done, that the hotels get booked, that the flights get scheduled. And if it weren't for him, none of this would happen. He's somebody that I've been privileged to know literally since I was 19 years old. We've been best friends for our entire lives and I'd like to recognize Mike Ruthenberg. Mike. 
I would be greatly remiss if I didn't recognize the most important person in the room because she's the one that makes sure everything in my life runs well. And that is my wife, Patty Meckler. And Patty not only is the person who makes sure my life runs well and is always there for me, but she is also the person who makes sure that everything that this organization does, including this conference, gets paid for. There is a reason that we were able to fly so many of you from around the country to pay for hotel rooms, to pay for all of this. It takes somebody with vision and commitment and drive to be able to put this message out to donors. We now have roughly 70,000 donors across the country, largely because of her efforts. You have to know, if you've ever met her, that I'm married way up. So please thank my wife, Patty Meckler. Um, I think you've had a couple of extraordinary gentlemen sitting here. People ask, where are the millennials? Here are the millennials. This thing ran smoothly because you have a parliamentarian who took the time to know Mason's manual, who spent the hours, the weeks, the months to know it. He's participated in other simulations. He is at the very senior level in his academic career of being a college fresh freshman. So I'd like you to give Spencer, our parliamentarian, a big round of applause. Sitting next to Spencer is a young man who has a wisdom far beyond his years. I think you would agree this thing ran incredibly smoothly. The votes were perfect. Everything was calculated right. Things run on time. We were privileged to hire Robert Kelly straight out of law school. And he's been with us ever since he came out of law school. He is way better than most senior lawyers I know. He makes sure that I don't do anything that gets me in trouble. And it's really an incredible privilege to have him serving as our secretary today, Robert Kelly. So I could go through and recognize the whole staff, but that would take a long time. So I will save you that pain. But let me just tell you that without them, without every single one of them, what happened here today, what's happening all across the country right now would be impossible. So I'd ask that you thank the staff of Citizens for Self-Governance. They're in the blue shirts all over the room. God bless you guys. Thank you very much. So before, before I turn the convention back over to Ken, and I appreciate the point of personal privilege that allowed me to do this, I want to thank all of you. A lot of you have come up to me or to other members of our staff and thanked us. All we were able to do was set the table, right? To make it happen took you. It took your commitment. It took your diligence, it took your intelligence, it took your passion and your patriotism to travel across the country and to come here and to be here and to participate in this. And once the convention started, it was sort of like dropping your kid off at college. It was off on its own, right? There wasn't much we could do about it. We sat in the back of the room, we were in and out, we watched it on the live feed, but you guys were on your own and you excelled. Beyond our wildest expectations, you excelled. Over and over from everybody I talked to, they were astounded by the performance of this body, by the statesmanship that they saw exhibited by this body, by the intelligence and the passion of the debate, the demeanor of every one of you in this room. You have proven 
beyond a shadow of a doubt to the country that the people of the United States of America are ready to hold the first Article 5 convention in the history of this country. I congratulate you, I salute you, and may God bless you. Thank you very much. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod. Thank you for listening.